So instead, I got you a prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for fathers, Lord. And we, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are the perfect picture. And while we may not all have experienced um, the best, Father, or maybe we have, we're blessed that we could. And we will never fall short if we exemplify you as our loving Heavenly Father. And Lord, we ask that you would bless this day as we remember uh, our dads. And Father, as we also take time to look at the example that you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would follow in your footsteps as we seek to be men of honor. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to open up to... Acts chapter 14, and we're going to conclude uh, the first missionary journey this morning. Now, maybe you remember, since chapter 13, we've been talking about Paul's first missionary journey. His first missionary journey covers somewhere in a neighborhood of 1,400 miles without a plane or a car. So, he did use a boat, didn't have a motor, but... He did, he did sail from where he was in Antioch to the shores of Turkey where he begins uh, the journey as he goes through uh, the areas that we covered already in the, in the first missionary journey. And I'm excited as I look at it because here's what I, I'm hopeful to be able to, to share with you. And that is that while this is a, is a couple of men that were specifically called as missionaries, they are doing what you and I are specifically called to do every day anyway. I think sometimes we get the idea that, that all these things are for somebody else to do. And we look at the big deal, right? We look at the big picture. We, we, we saw several missions and, and videos from, from the Bostocks dealing with uh, Mission Vietnam. We, we talk about Malawi. We talk about Scotland. We talk about Romania. We talk about all these things, which seem to be outside of our reach for some of us, and, and others of us are called to do those very things, which is exactly what a missionary is all about. But a disciple, a believer, a follower of Christ, is going to do those very same things wherever they are. We've shared before that idea of, before I worry about crossing an ocean, I've got to be able to cross my street. I got to be able to talk to the person in line with me at Walmart or at Ridley's or at Don's and be able to, to share what God's doing in my life. And that's what we see these guys doing. There's, there's four things, I think, it might be five. We'll see when we get to the end. But there's things that we see very distinctly that they're accomplishing, that they're doing. And I think one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart is, is you and I, we can sometimes get the idea that that's somebody else's job. But it's our job. It's mine. It's yours. It's ours. It's our fellowship. It's our town. It's our communities that we live in and that we shop in and that we serve in. And God's called us to them. And as we look at what these guys did, it's, it's kind of incredible. When I start adding up that 1,400 miles between six and nine months, they were gone. That's a long time. That cost them something, right? But they weren't focused on the cost. They were focused on the one whom they were serving. And I think our struggle sometimes to focus on the cost. Is this going to cost me? What's this going to take? I'm going to lose time and I need time for pulling the weeds at my house, for crying out loud. I've been gone for two weeks. You should see those things. <laughs> but it's kind of blessed. You know, I, if you remember before we left, I'd hurt my back and I, I didn't get a chance to mow and I made a couple of phone calls after I left uh, to to reach out and ask for some help because otherwise, man, I would not have been able to find my house. My grass would have been over the top. 
And uh, the person I called went over to the house to do it, and somebody had already done it. That's a blessing. It's, it's kind of cool to see that. We can think about what it's going to cost us, and that can be all our focus, or we can think about just being a blessing. Amen. Right? Yes. And that's something we can all do. And I think it's something that, that we see in that first missionary journey and the ones that come after it. Hey, God's sending people from our midst, aren't they? Andy's going to go to Scotland. Regardless as to whether or not you become a part of that, or regardless as to whether or not you pray for them, they're going to go. They're called. The Bayshores, just getting back from, from Romania. I think they're in California. I know they're not in Romania anymore. They might be somewhere between. But they're coming back, but they're coming back just to prepare to go again. They're going to go. They're called. They recognize that call and they're moving forward in that call. Praise God. And we get to be a part of it as we support them. We get to be a part of it as we pray for them. We get to be a part of it here. And that's important. But we need to realize God's called us too. Maybe not to cross the ocean. But he has called you to share what God has shown you every single day. And we want to be men and women who are doing those things. So let's take a look. We'll begin in chapter 14. Look at verse 21 together. We'll, let's just read these, these uh, first several verses. And then we'll take a look at them. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and, they, and when they had preached the word at Perga, and they went down to Italia, <coughs> from there... <coughs> Excuse me, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all the things that God had done with them, and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for the truth of Your Word. God, we ask that. Your, your word would find a fruitful place within our lives to dwell. God, that we would see ourselves in the pages. This word is for us this morning. Each of us individually, Lord God, we pray that you would accomplish what you seek to do in our midst, Lord God, as we present ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen kind of blown away about all the stuff they were able to accomplish with so little right no phones no facebook it was kind of cool i mean i was gone i'd been gone for a couple of weeks but the whole time i was gone i could get updates on what was going on with the bay shores in romania because they would post them on facebook uh, when paul and barnabas traveled for six to nine months over 1400 miles there was no facebook no phones no communication they just kept going until the Lord told them it was done. And, then, and when they came back through, they, they stopped at each place again. The places where they were stoned, the places where they were abused, the places where they were thrown out. They didn't matter to them because they had something to do. Something to do. And the very first thing we see that they had to do, we see in verse 21, look at it. It says, when they had preached the gospel to that city. I love that word preached. The noun form of that word is the gospel. You know what we say when we say the gospel, gospel, evangelion. Uh, it's spoken in the English in this word, evangelize. You heard that word before, right? That's what that word to preach is, to evangelize. 
And that word is used in a variety of different places throughout the scripture. But I was kind of interested because more often than not, we think this is somebody else's job. Right? But that's what you pay Jackie to do, right? He's supposed to preach. And we come and listen and he preaches. I'm not called to be a preacher. You sure? That's not all our jobs? As we look at the pages of scripture, it's kind of interesting because the noun form, used some 77 times as the word of the gospel, the verb form, to preach or to evangelize, to share the good news. That's what it's all about, right? To preach. That's what, that's what the words mean. And as we look at them here <clears throat> throughout the book of Acts, it's interesting because in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, right after the disciples were beaten, you remember they got beat up and they were told, don't do what? Don't evangelize anymore. No more evangelizing. No more trying to, to make disciples or, or turn people to, the, to your view of Christ. Don't, don't do that no more. It says in verse 42 of chapter 5, daily, not now and again, daily, they were in the temple and every house and they did not cease teaching and preaching. It's evangelize. They were evangelizing wherever they went. Well, maybe you're not still convinced that this is our job. Well, good. I'm thankful for that because I wouldn't have nothing to talk about. Let's turn to the left in Acts chapter 14. Come to Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> A long time ago, when we did Acts chapter 8, if you look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it kind of gives us where we're at. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. That's the death of Stephen. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. All. Who's that all referring to? Everybody? Okay, but there's one group ex excluded, right? What's it say? Except the apostles. So the apostles, which is the clearest form of the word missionary that we have today, who were there in Jerusalem, <coughs> preaching and teaching, and they couldn't be shut up. When the persecution came, they didn't run away, right? They stayed. But the church, everybody who believed and came to faith, the persecution scattered them like a wind. Like when you rake up all your leaves in your yard and you just about got them all up and then Idaho blows and giggles at you. Huh, you, nobody else has experienced that, just me? Because I was raking up all them weeds from yesterday and I swear there was not a stick of wind in the air until I get a trash bag and I'm walking back over to pick it up. And then they scatter. That's what's happening here. They scattered. What did they do when they scattered? Look at verse 4. Acts 8 verse 4. What's it say? Acts 8 verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching, Preaching the word. Evangelizing. They were evangelizing. They were going out sharing what it was that God had done in their life. How they had come to faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a seminary degree to do that. Are you aware of that? Do you know how you got saved? Perfect. You are absolutely equipped to share with someone else. Yeah, I got saved this way. Nobody can argue it with you. It's your story. This is how I got saved. That's what they did. Everywhere they went, they were preaching the word. You remember that earlier in about chapter 6, the church had said... We are having some problem feeding some of the, the widows that are being left out in the daily distribution of food. So the apostles, the missionaries, they said, listen, we need to devote ourselves to the word and to prayer and to ministering to the needs of the people. You choose from the midst of you six, seven men full of the Holy Spirit and they'll see to the work. Isn't that what they said? So whose job was that? was the body's job. That's how you know a healthy body, right? Every part does its part. You got a part of your body that don't work? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm not stoked when stuff don't work. 
couple weeks ago when I was walking around, like I was 110. And every time I sneezed, I felt like my back was blowing out the, the back of me. I don't, it's, I'm, not, I'm not excited about that. The body's not doing what it's supposed to do. We have to recognize we have responsibilities as a body. Of those six or seven men that were gathered together, one of them was Stephen. You remember, he got, he got, he got stoned, right? But what was he doing? Preaching. Evangelizing. Oh. Well, there's another one. You remember his name? We even call him the evangelist. His name was Philip. Philip the evangelist. We read about him in the rest of chapter 8. What's he doing everywhere he goes? Preaching the word. Well, you know the church never sent him out, right? He was scattered. It was just wherever he went, he shared what God meant to him. This is how Paul would say it in the book of Romans. You guys are familiar with this. In Romans chapter 1, it says, As much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. I am ready to evangelize. That's what Paul said. I am ready to evangelize, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed, it's the same word, of the gospel. I am not ashamed to evangelize. I'm not ashamed to tell people I love Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to be counted on His side. I'm not ashamed to stand with Him in the midst of everyone else standing someplace else. I am not ashamed. The first thing they did was preach a word in every city. First thing they did was to evangelize. The first thing we see in the work of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus Christ, is the same thing. You preach the word. You share what Jesus Christ has done in you. There's only really one, uh, I guess I could call it a revival, that I've ever witnessed, and that was when I was a kid. I was probably early high school, um, junior high, during the Jesus movement. You guys remember the Jesus movement? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a bunch of crazy people that had long hair and were barefoot that just started talking about Jesus wherever they went. You know, it wasn't just a preacher. While Chuck Smith was in the middle of it, he's not the only one. There were a lot of people involved in the Jesus movement. But you know primarily what accomplished that? The body couldn't stop talking about him. When they were at the gas station, they were inviting people to church. When they were at Walmart, they were talking about what Jesus had done in their life. When they bumped into somebody, they just assumed that they bumped into him for a purpose. To talk to him about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for them. Folks, that's how it happens. But I think we get the idea that we sit back and we wait for somebody else to do it. Right? Somebody else is going to do that. Somebody else is going to fill that role. But you see, it was the people that did this. Sure, Paul and Barnabas did it too. They were sent out. But what do you think the church of Antioch was doing while they were gone? Waiting on pins and needles to hear how it was going? Or do you think they were doing the same thing in their own neighborhood? The same thing in their own place. Preaching the word. Evangelizing. What's the next thing? Look in verse 21. It continues in Acts 14. In verse 21, not only did they preach the gospel of that city, what's the next thing? They made many disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So everywhere they went, one, they preached the gospel, evangelized. Two, they were making disciples. Now, while the word evangelize is used all over in the New Testament, some 77 times as a noun and 55 times as a verb, the verb making disciples is only used four. Always in the Gospels or in the book of Acts. And the primary time where it is given the greatest point of explanation is in Matthew 28. Turn there, Matthew 28. Just go to the left. You don't got very far to go. A few books, you'll come to Matthew, the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 19. There is only one command in these two verses. Listen, I'll I'll read them to you. You'll remember them. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. There is only one command in all of that. Only one. The phrase, go therefore, doesn't mean get out of here and go. It means since you have already gone. It means having gone, therefore, make disciples. That's the command. Wherever you go. Now, every one of us has a place to go, don't we? Does anybody not have a place to go today? When church is out, no place to go. Because I'll give you one. But be careful. Everybody's got a place to go. So what's this verse saying? Having gone, therefore, since you've got somewhere to go, you got things to do, you got things happening in your life, all of us do. Busy, busy, schedules, busy life. Regardless as to where you go, it doesn't matter, right? To all nations, that means everywhere. Make disciples wherever you go. Well, what does that mean? Well, it starts with the first thing we read, right? Preaching the gospel, evangelizing. Telling people what God did in your life. Look, you don't have to know how your eschatology works out. You don't, know how the, the, you don't have to have nailed down to a board the 13 points that are absolutely that we have to absolutely believe in order to be saved. You don't have to know any of that stuff. All you have to know is how you got saved. Yeah, well, Jackie, I just asked Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. What? You're equipped. Go and tell. Evangelize. Share. But then having done that, wherever you go, make disciples. How is that done? This is the only verse that describes it to us. A disciple, the word disciple literally means someone who follows. Make someone who follows. What did Jesus say to every one of his disciples at one point? Come, follow me. Right? So, so the, the job that Jesus is saying, great commission to every believer who would ever come. Wherever you're going, make disciples. What's the first thing he says? Baptizing them. Oh, that's the preacher's job, right? Who said? You guys read your Bibles, right? Acts chapter 8. Philip the evangelist. Not even sent out by a church. Just starts evangelizing. Sharing what God's done in his life. And a revival breaks out in Samaria. <clears throat> the disciples hear about it. They come up. They anoint the people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Ooh, this thing's moving. It's shaking. Things are happening. All of a sudden, God says to Philip, go to the middle of the desert. Who do you run into out there? Ethiopian eunuch, right? Ethiopian eunuch just, you know, driving his, what do you call them things? Chariot. Yeah, that's it. I guess you drive those. I don't know. So he's driving his chariot and he's thinking about... You know, back in those days, you could read and drive. I don't think it was such a big deal. I think texting would be legal back then because it takes you forever to get anywhere. You ever rode in a in a chariot? See, I, I'm not interested in going all that fast in a chariot. Have you ever been fast in a chariot? They, they don't have shocks. They got something like that that's supposed to work, but you have an excellent chance of getting a compression fracture and riding on one of those things, going fast. Anyway, he's looking at the word. Philip goes down, and what's he do? He evangelizes. He shares about what God's doing in his life. He points out some things in the scripture. The guy gets saved, and then what's he say? Hey, there's water over there. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, well, there's no preacher here. We got to get a preacher. And before you can do that, you got to go and, and meet before all the elders, and they got to ask you questions. And if you know all the answers to the questions, then you can be baptized, and we can work it out. Is that what he said? He said, there's water, and you want to go? Let's go. Well, I thought baptism was supposed to be public. That was public. It's not their fault nobody showed up. <laughs> they had a baptism. It was in the open, in public, right? And there was how many people? Two. Look, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be baptized. It's the first thing he lists. Oh, come on. I can get saved and not be baptized. Yeah, you're right. 
But I don't think you can be a disciple. What did Jesus say? Come and do what? Come and watch what I did and then give yourself excuses why you shouldn't do the same? Nope, that's not what it was. What was it? Come and follow me. Was Jesus baptized? Oh. Really? We think that he did something I don't have to do? He says, make disciples. First, baptizing him. An interesting point, baptizing him in what? Well, we know he's talking about baptism in water, but what's he say? In the what? Name. Is that plural? No, it's singular, right? But how many names does he list? Three. Oh, we call that the Trinity. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the word Trinity. You're right. But the idea is there. Where? Right here, Matthew 28. What's it say? Baptize them in one, the name, singular, and then list how many names? Three. What are they? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What do we call that? Three in one. Uh, that's a trinity. Well, I don't care. You could call it salad if it makes you happy. But it's three in one. Baptizing them. Immerse them in the name of God. Immerse them in the name of the Father. Immerse them in the name of the Son. Immerse them in the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. That's everybody, right? That's not just Paul and Barnabas. Who's he talking to? He's talking to all of us, isn't he? Go, therefore, having gone, make disciples. Baptizing them. What's the second thing? There's two. One is baptizing them. What's the second thing? Teaching them. Teaching them. But there's something specific that he says. What's he say? Teaching them to observe the things I commanded you. Now listen, don't take this the wrong way. Every stinking word in your Bible is valuable and important. It's all scripture is inspired by God and has a purpose to work in your life. But Jesus is asking for something specific here. He says all the things I commanded you. Where do we find his commandments? Jesus's. In the gospels. Don't you? That's where his words are, right? That's where his teachings were. When someone comes to faith and they're baptized, they've heard the message, they have followed in baptism. What are we, how do we begin feeding them the word of God? We begin usually with the gospels. We start telling them about the things Jesus taught and the things Jesus did because that's who we're following. Later on, as they grow, they start to see the shadows and the things that are evident throughout the Old Testament and the things that God has revealed in His entire plan. But where do we begin? That's where we start. The things Jesus commanded them. Simple. There's so much stuff in just Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is, by the way, one of the books in the Gospel. The Sermon on the Mount. Have you read that? That is wild stuff in there. I think you could spend a long time just, wow, whoa, this is a trip. Focused on that. That's where we start. Where do you feed a baby? When you get a baby, what do you do? I don't, I don't, I, 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 I got to spend <coughs> two weeks with Jack Jack. He's my, my youngest grandson. Also happens to be my only grandson, but he's the youngest one. And he's a baby. He has, a, he has his mother's personality, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know if you guys experience this, but sometimes I experience it. If Kathy and I are talking, she occasionally wants to have the last word. I don't know. You know, that might not be something that you guys have. In my life, there is occasionally the, the thing where Kathy wants to have the last word. Jack-Jack's like that. But he doesn't know how to talk. But you do something that Jack-Jack don't like. And you're going to hear about it. I don't know what he's speaking. It's not, but you can hear the words ma and da. We know who those two people are, right? And later on, nana came out. So grandma was happy. So you do something that Jack Jack don't like. He's walking around. He's going to just let you have it. Now, you can tell. I can look at him and say, oh, he is just unhappy with me. Well, I don't know what I did yet. 
But I'm hearing about it. He's talking and, and then he, he'll see Ma or Pa and he'll go, Ma! Ma! It's like, well, she, he's telling Ma I'm all about it, right? You guys have maybe, maybe experienced something like that. Well, while we were there, I got to experience this. It was kind of cool. Um, he was in trouble because he was doing that to Mom. And Mom said, Jack, Jack, go get in the corner. And this, this is proof, by the way, of original sin. Jack, Jack, as he's walking, he is letting Amber have it. I don't know what he's saying, but he's walking. He turned around. Ma! Ma! All the way to the corner. He gets to the corner, puts his, it's the cutest thing ever. It's like little. Puts his head in the corner. Ma! So you can make me get in the corner, but you can't, you can't get that stuff out of me yet. Now, he wants to do his own thing. So you put him in a high chair, and you go to give him some food. But he wants to do the, the thing himself. You take the hot dog, and you cut the hot dog all up, and you're going to get, because you've done something wrong. what I do? what I do? You cut the hot dog. He don't want the hot dog cut. Okay. So you grab another hot dog, whole hot dog. You put it on the plate. Now, this part of his body is working relatively good. So he takes this part and he gets it on that hot dog. And he grabs it. And he sticks it in his eye. Because he is not able to feed himself yet. Neither is a new believer, right? Brand new believer, not able to feed themselves yet. They're not able. We think we just throw them a bunch of stuff, say, there, go feed yourself. How do we get fed? <clears throat> we come to church. There's Bible studies going on all over the place. There's women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies, prayer meetings. What are all those things for? Those are all things so that you can eat. Someone is going to feed you. Now, that's not permanent. It's not permanent in the fact that you're going to need someone to feed you always. But there is a time when you need to be fed. And you take that meal and you eat it and you chew it up and you enjoy it and you grow and you learn. And pretty soon you're able to do the same thing. And maybe you're doing it for somebody else. Making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them. That's step two. Preaching the word, preaching the gospel, making disciples, making disciples. What's the third thing? Look at the next verse, verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. And saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. The second part, or the third part, excuse me, is strengthening the disciples. So first... We evangelize. Second, we make disciples. Third, we strengthen them. How do we strengthen them? The word used there in this is exhort or encourage. Exhort or encourage. It's an interesting word, paraclesis. It's also the word from which you get the word paraclete, which is a word used to describe the Holy Spirit. Who does what? Comes alongside and comforts or encourages. Interesting, isn't it? Well, the, the verb form of that word is the idea, the concept of encouraging others. Exhorting others. Building other people up. Building them up in two specific things, he says. First, to continue in the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. So if I'm going to continue in the faith, what do I got to continue in? The word of God. Did all of you guys eat yet today? Some of you. Some of you are saying, I'm starving and I wish he would stop. It's coming. I'm, I'm winding. I'm circling the plane. I'll bring it in for a landing soon. I'm circling right now. So as we're circling, what happens? Do you, do you read your Bible every day? Do you eat every day? Do you drink every day? Because Jesus said, whoever hungers and thirsts after righteousness... He's going he's gonna to find it. He says, whoever hungers for him, he'll fill them. Whoever thirsts for him, he'll, he'll fill them. How's he do that? Through his word? You spend time in it? 
Do you read his word? Do you have a Bible? Do you spend time just looking at the Bible? Look, I'm not asking you to study the Greek and the Hebrew and, and how many ways to, to tear that verb up into different pieces. Forget that. Just read it. Do you read it? The first thing in encouraging people and strengthening the disciples is to encourage them in the word. Stay in the word. Read your Bibles. Every day. Every day. And if you don't eat, then you have twice as much, maybe three times as much time to read it. Perfect. Stop eating. Read your Bible. Don't ever stop doing that. Don't ever stop and don't ever stop encouraging people to read the word. All throughout the book of Acts, we see it. All throughout the book of Acts. But not only are they encouraged to spend time in the word, what's the next part? The next part says, and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. They're encouraging them through their tribulations. Do you ever wonder why you got to go through tribulations? By the way, the Bible tells us you will. I'm sorry if you know somebody who taught you you don't ever have to go through anything. Apparently they're erasing verses. Do you see this verse? You may not want to read it again. It says, through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. That's more than one. Many. So there's going to be tribulations. Oh, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through that? Well, remember, what's our point here? The third thing Evangelize, make disciples, strengthen disciples. So it's part of strengthening disciples, right? That's what he's talking about here, how to strengthen them. We encourage them in the word and we encourage them through their tribulation. Well, that's interesting. And and the word, remember I told you, paraclesis, paraclete, the same word, but it's also translated another way. It's also translated as the word comfort. Same exact word. So while you're thinking about that, just turn a few pages to the right. And you come to 2 Corinthians. Because you've got to see it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning about verse 3. It says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And the God of all. What's the word? Comfort. Comfort. Oh, it's also the same as encourage or exhort. Who comforts us in our tribulation. For what purpose? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. With what? With the comfort or encouragement with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Why do I have to go through tribulation? Why do I have to struggle with cancer? Why... Do I have to be without a job right now? Why are we struggling in our marriage? I don't care what why you put. The encouragement is that so God can, through the encouragement he gives you in his word, and the way he strengthens you to come through it, that you can help someone else. Despite what you may believe, it is not all about you. Or your family. Or anything else about you. But. In our body. Calvary Chapel Buell. There are people here who are suffering through a variety of different ailments and troubles. There are people who have struggled in their marriage. And maybe they've come out on the other side of it. There's others who have struggled in their marriage and their marriage is dissolved. There are other people who are battling through cancer. There are people here today who have come out on the other side of cancer. There are families here today who lost loved ones to cancer. There are people struggling with a variety of different things. And the Word of God says the way we strengthen each other is to comfort them with the comfort which we ourselves received when we went through the same thing. Look, I don't know what it's like every aspect of the different things people go through. But there's someone in this body who does. And if we are fulfilling our role, our gifting, our our strengthening within the body, then God is saying, you use your pain to minister to somebody else. And you will be healed. 
Oh, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. You guys remember the story I told you about a, a family? I think they had four kids, maybe five, four. They had a little baby, and the dad ran over his baby. You remember? And Kathy and I went to the hospital, and we sat with them, and we ministered the best we could. But I don't know what it's like. Do you? So we did the best we could and ministered and prayed for him and loved on him. That's what we do, right? And then, you know, a few days later, they, they had the service. And actually, a few people got saved at the service. And so, as always in those circumstances, you're looking to try to pull something good, right? You know what I'm saying? Trying to pull something good that came from this little life and the way that that... that little life was lost and while we're at the end of the service and we're all gathered together eating after the funeral service of the little baby I got a phone call kid who played football for me had wrecked his dirt bike and he had to be airlifted down to the hospital I remember driving to the hospital thinking surely he's going to be okay I mean there's a point where there's too much right so we get down to the hospital we find out when he when he <coughs> fell off his motorcycle, he hit his chest on a rock and shattered his chest and bone fragments of his chest were in his heart. There was nothing they could do. He died. I've told that story before too because the father, when he heard the word that his son was dead, lifted his hands to heaven, you remember? And he said, I praise you God of heaven and earth for my son. That's pretty powerful. There we are in the midst, and I'm, I'm thinking, what words do I share with him? Because I don't know what it's like to be him. Do you? Some of you might. But you know who did? A couple who was just finishing the funeral for their baby. They knew. And they ministered to them. Now, did it make their pain all go away? Of course not. But it's their part, their job in the body of Christ to realize it's not just about me sitting here being sorrowful, but to reach out and try to encourage someone else with the same encouragement God has given me. And so they ministered. And when we were back this time, I got a chance to eat dinner with the parents of the, of the boy who was on the motorcycle. And they're still encouraging and comforting others with the comfort that they themselves receive. Do you understand how it works? Your tribulation isn't about you. Your tribulation is in this in this world you will have tribulation. It's everywhere in the Bible. There are going to people get cancer every day. A little 11-year-old girl's got cancer right now. Just had that bone cut out of her knee. She's at home. Recuperating. I don't think she should have to have it. But she did. Because it happens all the time. Keith's here today. He's struggling with cancer. Battling against cancer. We got people in our congregation battling with, with RA. People who are doing pretty good on RA. We got people struggling in a lot of different ways. Are we looking for ways to encourage a brother and sister? Or are we just waiting for Jackie to figure out how to do it himself? Are we hoping that Fritz will do it? Are we hoping that Jason will do it? Or somebody else will do it, but not me? It's my job. It's our job. We're part of the body, right? Yes. It's our part to encourage, to strengthen. To strengthen through the things we're going through, somebody else who maybe is struggling. It's our job. We need that, right? Anybody here need encouragement? Well, you know, the Bible talks about the law of sowing and reaping. Do you know that? Do you know what the law of sowing and reaping is? If I want to reap something, what do I do? I sow it, right? I try to tell people this all the time. They usually get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Okay? People tell me, I have, have, have had people come to me and say, you know, church is not very friendly. You want friends? What am I going to say? Be a friend. You guys hear what I'm saying? You need encouragement? I need encouragement. We all need it. How do we encourage? What are you planting? So, 
That's what the Bible says. Encourage with what you've been. And look for someone. Look across the room and say, oh my gosh, there's someone in here. I see someone sorrowful or sad or somebody I know <coughs> that's struggling with one thing or another. Go to them. Minister to them. Don't try to fix them. Well, I, I doubt we have all the answers for that. Just go minister. Just go love on them. Throw an arm around. Let them know you're praying for them. You care about them. Right? Isn't that what we want? That's what we need to give. That's what we need to give. That's what they did. So we got three things. Preaching, evangelizing, making disciples, strengthening the disciples. Last thing, I'm landing. The plane's coming in. You guys see it? It's coming in. We had a lot of videos, you know. Sorry. So, planes coming in. They made leaders. They selected leaders. They selected leaders. Acts chapter 6, they, they, they pulled leaders out from their own midst. But not somebody's not coming from out there. There's not somebody coming from over there or back there or this town or that town or the other town. Where is our leadership going to come from? Us. Us. Comes from us. He said, pick seven men full of the Holy Spirit and, and have them wait on tables. And so they came to wait on tables and they ended up being evangelists. Wow, go figure. Isn't that wild how God does that? They selected leaders, but they, they did it a special way. They were appointed because they, they were found faithful. We'll build on that concept a little bit later. They're faithful men, women, who are available and a part of what's going on, who are doing these things. Preaching the word, making disciples, strengthening. And you start looking around and you say, wow, there's a man or woman full of the Holy Spirit. Look at him go. And everybody knew it. And you'll know it too. You know how you'll know it? Because they have come to you. And they put their arm around you and encouraged you. It isn't about who's on the stage or who's in front or who's teaching what or who's doing that. It's about us functioning as a body that way. That's how the, that's how the body's supposed to work. All of us. We are all called. Leaders will come from our midst. There's another thing they did, and I love these two things, especially in this last year. And with prayer and fasting, they committed them to God. I love that. I, I'm, I am going to call a solemn fast one day. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily what the point is. I think the point is, when's the last time you prayed to God and it was so vital that you heard from Him that you didn't eat that you didn't drink, that you didn't watch TV, that you didn't go for your morning walk, that you didn't go for your workout, that you didn't do whatever your thing is. That you were seeking God so, so vital to hear from Him that none of that other stuff mattered. Because I think every time I see the phrase prayer and fasting, that's how, that's how I see it. They were so going after the Lord. It was so vital for them to hear from Him that all that other stuff didn't happen. It wasn't that they said, okay, I'm going to officially give up my computer and all internet for the next two weeks. And because I give up the internet, God is going to bless me and speak to me. No, it's not about what you don't do. Do you get that? It's about what you do. Not what you gave up. You're not supposed to focus on what you gave up. You're supposed to focus on who you're seeking with your whole heart, undivided. Not thinking about what I'm not doing or what I'm losing or what I got or, oh my gosh, I lost some of this. Oh, this was a perfect time for us to have a, a special family time, but instead uh, we did this and with the, the church I was reaching out to somebody over there and it cost me that time. Oh, look at what you lost. Look at who you're seeking. Because Jesus said, no man is going to lose mother or father, or brother or sister or house for my namesake. And I won't give them a hundred times more in this life and eternal life in the one to come. Yes, That's his promise. 
These things that we talked about today, it's our job. I'm so thankful that this is what every missionary should be doing and what our missionaries will be doing. And I'm stoked about what those things are happening. But I don't want us to think these are things that happen out there and I'm waiting for somebody else to do. It's our job. Right here. Where we are. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for an opportunity to open your word, God, and to see what your word lays out for us. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are truly everything we need. And you give us everything that we need for godliness and contentment, for whatever we're lacking in our life is found in you. Sometimes, God, we can just spin our wheels trying to accumulate bigger barns and more stuff. And if I reach this point, then I'll be able to. But God, you're calling us to it now as you go. Having gone, therefore, make disciples. As they were scattered and homeless and wandering the streets and their lives totally upside down, they preached the word. Wherever they found a brethren with weak knees and sagging arms, Scripture says they strengthened the brothers. They encouraged them to stay in the Word of God. And they encouraged them through their struggles and and tribulations that they endured. And leadership came up from the inside. And you did great things then, God, and you want to do great things now. This has to happen here with us. Lord, we pray, God Almighty, that not only will we know that you are everything we need, but that we would tell everyone we know that your name will be glorified wherever we go, for it is our job. Lord, we pray, equip us to be who you're calling us to be. And may we fulfill your will in our life. As we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.